eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Here we go. Jake and Josh are here to analyze the game they love for the team they love. This is another Dolphins Podcast. Here's your host, Jake Mendel and Josh Houts. Looking at some of the injuries heading into week five, is one injury that I think might be the most impactful injury in the entire NFL. This drop-off might be worse than going from Aaron Rodgers, a Super Bowl-winning quarterback, to Zach Wilson. And that is seeing Liam Eikenberg replace Connor Williams and give up five pressures, two sacks, a PFF grade of 28. Guys, I'm starting to think that Connor Williams, the drop-off between Liam Eikenberg and him, we're not talking enough about it because Connor Williams is someone who has not, or excuse me, allows a pressure on 2.3% of pass blocks. So he was questionable on Wednesday. How much does the Miami Dolphins need Connor Williams to return to the line? Yeah, that's a big one. That's a real big one, especially when you look at the Giants and the strength of that team is that defensive line. And very specifically, that interior defensive line, and even more specifically beyond that, Dexter Lawrence, that massive human being on that defensive line. And that guy is going to be lined across from the Dolphins center multiple times, you know, throughout that entire game. And he could very easily wreak a whole lot of havoc if the center lined up against him is not named Connor Williams and instead is named Liam Eikenberg. We might see Liam Eikenberg. We got that splits meme they're doing on on Twitter this week. He's going to be, it's like a half splits, but it's going to be a full splits by the end of Sunday's game. If, if, if Connor Williams can't play because Dexter Lawrence is a man and uh, Liam Eikenberg uh, so far, not so good. 
Yeah, Giants defensive line is scary. They also got Leonard Williams up there, a couple other guys. So they're just licking their chops at this uh, Miami Dolphins offensive line. So, Jake, I'm with you, man. This is probably the biggest thing that we're all concerned about. Um, shame on me. I sat there and said at the end of that, what, Broncos game, you couldn't really tell if he, um, Connor Williams was even out there. My God, you definitely noticed last week, right? Even on some of the completions, um, you know, if you go look at my two at drop back, you see two of completes and passes. But Liam Eikenberg just looks like an absolute turnstile. So, I don't think I ever want to see him on my favorite team again. I was trying, I'm going to do a cut up probably and just put, you know, get Liam Eikenberg the F off my team.mp4 and just tweet that out because, dude, I, I never want to see him again. I don't care how much depth he can bring, this, that, or the other thing. Um, we're, we're in trouble if he's starting at center or anywhere on that offensive line moving forward. Am I wrong to say, though, that that Buffalo defensive line still is, I think, light years ahead of the Giants even? Is that is that safe to say that I think that Buffalo game is going to skew how how we feel about this offensive line? There was there was a time when this group was talked about, we have a top five offensive line, I heard people saying. I mean, Tua was sacked once in the first three weeks. Liam Eikenberg doubled that in one game. So to me, I kind of see a situation developing here where Connor Williams has to come back. And one final note I do want to bring up here. Uh, there's a viral tweet going around that someone has discovered a Liam Eikenberg burner responding to accounts. I don't want to talk too much about this because I don't know if it's real or not. But I will just say this. If it is fake, now not only does Liam Eikenberg have to go and spend his day learning how to play center, he now has to go figure out why the internet is doing this to him. So there's only <laughs> 24 hours in a day. And I don't know if that's enough for Liam Eikenberg to handle playing center, let alone now deal with this PR crisis because some crazy dude on the internet. Yeah. To your credit, Jake, I did pull up some stats while you were talking. Uh, and the giants, while having a very solid defensive line and, and very good interior defensive linemen, they've actually only sacked opposing quarterbacks four times through four games this season. So certainly not the same caliber of play that you're getting when you're going against a team like the Buffalo bills, but good players who could turn it on on Sunday. Maybe the light bulb finally goes off for them. And maybe Liam Eikenberg is just the guy they need to see lining up across from them to make that happen. It's so sad. It's so sad. <laughs> Moving forward, Jalen Phillips, he returned to practice and he was questionable. Guys, how are we feeling about Jalen Phillips' return when you consider the fact that Andrew Van Ginkle leads this team with three sacks? No other player has more than one. Well, I mean, if there was one thing we saw on Monday night is the Giants love to give up sacks. Uh, conversely, I said they've only sacked the quarterback four times through four games. They've given up 23 sacks through four games, including 11 on Monday night football against the Seattle Seahawks. And now they have a short week and they traveled to hot and steamy South Florida to play the Dolphins. Uh, yeah, this, this needs to be a get right game for that Dolphins defense. I think Jalen Phillips coming back would uh, go a long way towards that being a thing. If not, I do have faith and confidence in Andrew Van Ginkle. He has looked amazing through uh, Miami's four games this season. I, I will ask, you know, I got a milk carton here and, and Bradley Chubb's face is on it. What's going on, Mr. Chubb? Uh, did you take your $100 million and and uh, you know put it in the bank and say, all right, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll practice you know, when I want to. Uh, I'm not really feeling it. Like, what's, what's happening? That's my, that's my question. What's going on, Bradley Chubb? Uh, you need to do something. If, and if it isn't this game, if you don't get a sack this game, then we really need to start worrying about Bradley Chubb. Because like I said, the Giants have given up 23 sacks in four games. That's absurd. 
you know, I can't say where Bradley Chubb is, but absolutely getting Jalen Phillips back, you know, opposite of AVG or Chubb, whoever it might be, that definitely, you know, intensifies that pass rush up front. Again, I think in that last game, the Dolphins probably would have lost with or without Jalen Phillips. But to get him back in this one, um, licking his chops, hungry, healthy, ready to go against, again, a New York Giants team where, you know, we shouldn't be overlooking teams in the NFL because that's just not um, smart based on, you know, the history, based on all the years we've watched it. But my God, man, they should go out there. That defensive line should feast. That offense should feast. And um, we should be smiling at the end of this one. So I'm saying that and I already feel the egg on my face. <laughs> Center, John Michael Schmidt, guard, Shane Lemieux, and offensive tackle, Andrew Thomas, um, a.k.a. the Giants' left side for their uh, offense, offensive line. They all didn't practice on Wednesday. Uh, Lemieux's dealing with a groin and Andrew Thomas is dealing with a hamstring. Those are the type of injuries that you never really know how it's going to shake out. Well, and um, I hate I hate to interrupt you, but I believe their coach, Brian Dayball, actually already said Andrew Thomas very unlikely to play this Sunday. I don't think he's been ruled out yet, but they said it's very unlikely Andrew Thomas comes back at left tackle this week. So, yay. Should at us. least do that because Teron Armstead's going to be out. You don't get a left tackle. We don't get a left tackle. Mm -hmm. That seems fair, right? Yeah, seems fair. One thing I can't didn't realize, especially I guess during that Bills game, just seeing it develop, how much this defense needs Deshaun Elliott. Um, guys, what did you see from the secondary? And looking ahead, Elliott is another guy who's questionable, but that secondary seems a lot more smooth when he's back there to kind of just help manage things. And blame me. I mean, I spent all offseason thinking it was Brandon Jones' job to lose. He was going to develop into a stud, but I mean – Deshaun Elliott, I mean, despite saying that the Dolphins should trade for Lamar Jackson and everyone thought he'd get cut that day, he's been a pretty solid addition. Yeah, Deshaun Elliott uh, looked really good through the first three games, obviously didn't play against the Bills. And like you said, Jake, the defense struggled as a result. And Brandon Jones, I don't know if he's fully healthy coming off that ACL injury last year, but I was always kind of one of those guys that didn't feel like Brandon Jones was a great fit for the Fangio defense just because – you know, pass coverage is not his strong suit. He likes to be a guy that plays a little bit closer to the line. He was part of uh, the Blitz Boys, him and him and Javon Holland. That's what they were calling him, right? In Boyer's defense, Boyer loved rushing Jones and Holland, and those guys were getting to the quarterback all the time. That's not really what Vic Fangio does. So if you're going to drop Brandon Jones back in coverage, uh, you know, two high safety, you know, sometimes three three safeties back there. He's going to get picked on, and we saw that against the Bills. Uh, he, you know, everyone kind of gives Cater Kohu crap for giving up that long 55-yard touchdown to Stephon Diggs where he missed the tackle. But in reality, Brandon Jones came over and knocked knocked him, knocked Cater off of Stephon Diggs. Like, I think Cater had the tackle, and then Brandon Jones says, no, you don't, and he just, like, pinballed him right off of him there. So not a good game it's not his first game back but his first game with significant action not uh, not a good first game back there for brandon jones in this fangio style defense and i'm not sure how much better it's going to get unless his role changes a little bit well, i think that's what's so frustrating right i mean and it's easy for fans to sit here and say but um you know you're paying vic fangio all that money if you see it's not working why not try to adapt and use your personnel you know why not use him uh blitzing a little bit more but absolutely in his first you know appearance in this vic fangio defense he looked like a shell of himself and even Javon Holland. I mean, he was, you know, missing some tackles. and didn't really look like himself. So um, that defense definitely needs to Sean Elliott out there. And, you know, um, I don't know that at the beginning of the year, I truly understood how valuable he was to this defense. So 
Um, we need him out there if this defense needs to be firing on all cylinders. But I think all those guys in the secondary would admit that they needed to do a little bit better than what we saw last week versus Buffalo. Two more notes I have here. Nick Needham, Robert Jones, reinforcements are on the way. Their practice window has been open. That means the Miami Dolphins have 21 days to activate them to the 53-man roster, or I believe they stay on IR for the rest of the season. It's that type of go. Guys, what would bringing Nick Needham back do to this defense? I mean, everyone wants to say Cater Kohu, you know, slot corner. He's more comfortable there. Does Nick Needham just step right in as a boundary guy, even though we go back to, you know, when the Dolphins discovered him in 2019, he was a slot stud. So, I mean, does this help the Dolphins really solidify that secondary, or is it still going to be kind of bubblegum and tape until you get someone like Jalen Ramsey back, where it kind of just raises all the ships? I think we're going to have to see. You know, I think that's a wait-and-see type situation. Just, I, I hate to I hate to cop out, but for a couple of reasons, right? How healthy is he, right? He's, he's back, he's practicing, but how healthy is he? Is it going to take him time? I believe his was an Achilles, if, if I'm not mistaken. It's hard. That's a tough injury to come back from, especially as a defensive back with all the cuts and things that you have to make to try to keep up with these receivers. Um, and then also, how does Vic Fangio feel about Nick Needham? One weird thing that Vic Fangio said this offseason, and I think we glossed over it because we had the rose-colored glasses on or the aqua-tinted glasses on. Vic Fangio said he didn't watch tape on these guys, right? He said he was going to watch them in practice and go off of what his eyes saw. Well, he hasn't seen anything from Nick Needham yet because Nick Needham has just started practicing. And And if there's one thing we've learned about Vic Fangio this season is that he's not afraid to sit guys based on his gut feeling. He doesn't care what we as Dolphins fans think. And I don't think he really cares what anybody else thinks, whether that's a, a fellow coach or whatnot, because we've seen him bench Cam Smith a number of times. Cam Smith was their second round draft pick. Looked pretty darn good in the preseason. We got a lot of good camp reports from Cam Smith, but apparently Vic Fangio didn't like everything he saw from Cam Smith. And he sat on these last couple games. Eli Apple, not active against the Buffalo Bills. Now he had a concussion or didn't actually did not have a concussion. It was they like a neck he, injury is kind of yeah, the like, like idea. Like the, he was being evaluated for a concussion. I don't think he actually had a concussion. So it doesn't look like he sat due to injury. It almost looked like a healthy scratch for, uh, for Eli Apple there. And it's some of those decisions are a little bit questionable to me. And, Listen, I'm not naive enough to think that I know more than Vic Fangio knows. I don't. He, you know, he's smart. I'm dumb. Whatever you, whatever it is there. But you think going against a team like the Buffalo Bills with a quarterback like Josh Allen, with a receiver like Stephon Diggs, with a receiver like, like Gabe Davis, especially on the road, you'd want as many warm bodies in that secondary as possible. And it felt like Fangio went the other direction. And, you know, it, I, 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 again, while admitting that I don't know as much as Fangio, I do question a couple of these decisions. Why aren't these guys on the field? Why is Cater Kohu, who does seem much more comfortable and, and frankly, a much better player in the slot, why has he seen over 40 boundary cover or boundary corner snaps each game over the last two games? I believe it was 40 against the Broncos and 43 against the Bills. Cater Kohu is far more comfortable in the slot. You know, I think you leave Eli Apple on the boundary over there or you activate Cam Smith and see what he can do on the boundary over there. And, you know, if you're going to do it against any offense, you might as well do it against the lowly Giants, literally one of the 
two worst offenses in the National Football League right now. And we can get into that a little bit more as we as we roll through this. But I do question some of those decisions by Fangio, and, and maybe he'll get it figured out and prove that I'm dumb and, and he knows what he's doing. And and I trust that that'll be the case, but it's just a little questionable to me right now. I don't quite understand it. So I guess regarding Nick Needham, we're going to have to see, is he healthy? And does Vic Fangio like him? How does he feel about him? Yeah. Regarding your answer. I mean, the main reason Cater Cove is playing on the boundary, right. Is because he doesn't have Jalen Ramsey coming into this year, expecting to have Jalen Ramsey now having to adapt, um, you know, with Vic Fangio taking a year off, maybe it's just him needing the time, um, you know, to bring it all together. But, uh, to your point, I would never count Nick Needham out, right? He's shown he can play on the outside. He shows that he can play in the nickel. Um, we see Brandon Jones really isn't, you know, back and fully competent. So um, I kind of wonder if that's the trajectory that maybe Nick Needham's on. But, um, you know, the fact that Cater Cove, he'd rather play him on the boundary, says all they all that we kind of need to know, right, about what Vic Fangio thinks of Eli Apple and maybe even Cam Smith. I mean, they trust Kohu. I don't know, you know, almost to a fault like we saw last week. Um, I would have liked to see X as well, but – um, I want to see Nick Needham back and healthy and be given that opportunity because right now is the time when the Dolphins could use it. But um, like you said, Jake, this defense is going to look much, much, much different when Jalen Ramsey's healthy. And um, all the other 31 teams in the league should be scared de- scared to death of that. One more player who is on IR, and this one is very interesting because I believe we heard some radio shows from uh, Jeff Wilson Jr.'s agent that he would have been ready to go in a couple weeks into the season that they were putting him on IR to be safe and he'll definitely be ready in four weeks. Well, his practice window is still shut. He is not returned to the field. So gentlemen, what do you think of that? Cause I mean, we went the entire preseason entire training camp thinking that just Jeff Wilson was good to go. I'd like to say I'm surprised, but genuinely I'm not. I think that Mike McDaniel loves Devon Achan and I think Devon Achan has not given Mike McDaniel any reason not to love him. These last two games, Don't go too far from, yet. We'll get there. From the rookie, these last two games have been incredible. So, as far as Jeff Wilson's concerned, I think he might be the odd man out in this rotation. And maybe, just maybe, I know last week I, I, I believe we talked about the running backs, and I said I didn't expect anyone to get traded, that they rotate all these guys in. But I did also say I expected it to be the Mostert and the A-Chan show. And I still feel that way moving forward, you know. And maybe I'm leaning more towards A-Chan being RB1 and Mostert being RB2 because A-Chan has looked phenomenal these last two games. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I mean, I can rock with that, I think. And then it keeps Raheem Mostert healthy, and he brings another dynamic. But, um, you know, Jake, wonder if they're just slow playing this, right? I mean, getting a healthy Jeff Wilson back, um, you know, when the weather starts to change, right, and it gets colder out and the team starts to run the football more, I mean, I, I'm, you know, you know, I like to call him the thunder, right? So bringing that thunder in late in December or whatever when you need to grind out some of those games won't be the worst thing, especially with how A-Chan and Raheem Mostert, you know, are playing. I mean, we're all sitting here ready to – Crown Devon Achan, which we'll talk about later, but Raheem Mostert still what tied for first with six touchdowns on the ground, just had an unbelievable start to this season as well. So, 
Um, I, I think they can take their time because then even their Salvin Ahmed kind of lingering that, you know, looked really good this offseason. So um, we'll see what happens with Jeff Wilson. But um, I think the Dolphins are okay waiting and seeing how things develop because right now that running back unit isn't really a problem. So um, bye-bye. Sorry, Jonathan Taylor rumors. You know, we were all – at least I was kind of stoked for that at one point. We're good. I like that the, there's the baseball term, the dog days of summer, right? The idea is that it's just that the season's a slog, right? It's a very long time before you reach the playoffs. And think back to last year when the Dolphins signed Jeff Wilson. Um, he was basically on ice with San Fran, especially after they traded for McCaffrey. And he came in, and this kind of confused a lot of, like, fantasy analysts, or, um, analysts because the idea was that when Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert were both healthy, Jeff Wilson was seeing more snaps than Raheem Mostert. And while that was true, it was because Wilson had been on ice and the Dolphins were up 10 points to the Chicago Bears. 10 points against these. There was that stretch in the middle of the season. I wish I had it in front of me, but I have too many Liam Eikenberg stats in my head to kind of really put it together. So I do kind of like that idea. I like talking about this and bringing it up because there is a sense to, hey, we can use Jeff Wilson a few weeks down the road. You know, why rush it? Why try to, you know, add another chef to this kitchen? Yeah, that's totally possible too. You know, they're like, hey, let's slow play this, you know, keep keep those legs rested. And when we need you, we'll break you out and maybe we can surprise some of these defenses. I just feel like, and while I like Wilson as a running back, I just feel like Mostert and Achan, I feel like their style fits that outside zone a little bit better. You know, Mostert said it perfectly in an interview last year, how he's just riding the wave, right? Like he just rides the wave. He waits for those blocks you know, to hit. And then he makes one cut directly upfield and, and tries to hit a hole and wiggle through and, and get, uh, you know, a good gain, you know, sometimes even breaks it for a touchdown. And I see a lot of that in A-chan as well. I think he's been able to mimic that. And, and, you know, he's probably being tutored by, by Mostert. Mostert seems like a great teammate in that regard, but you've seen a lot of that from A-chan. And I just, I feel like those two guys really fit what McDaniel wants to do. And Wilson was kind of a guy last year. It was like, okay, there's an opportunity to get him for a low draft pick. I think it was a fifth round selection, if I'm not mistaken. And we kind of need another body here. And he knows the system and, and, and all of that's well and good until you get somebody like Devon Achan who can do everything that Jeff Wilson does, but better and is just much faster. So I just I, I'm, I'm leaning towards the idea that Wilson's kind of the odd man out in this scenario, and uh, I don't know how much longer he'll be on the roster, even when he does get activated from IR. The only thing I want to say was sorry. The only thing I want to say was I mean with um, Jeff Wilson, I they're calling if someone's calling, you know, they want to make a trade for Jeff Wilson. I don't think anybody'd be against that, right? You got Chris Brooks looming in the uh, in the wind. You know, he looked like he's competent and can kind of run between the tackles. So. Um, I like Jeff Wilson. I like the idea, like I said, about him getting healthy when the Dolphins might need it down the stretch. But if someone's calling you up and trying to um, lure Jeff Wilson away, I mean, no one's going to be upset, right? The moment you my, my, the- hold on, my question, and I'm sorry to to stray from from what we're doing here, but if this is a running about back trading, question, I'm going to make you do a lap. It is it it is a running back question, kind of, but it but it's kind of on this same topic. We talked about the Dolphins possibly being open to trading Jeff Wilson. Do you think they'd be open to trading Raheem Mostert with the way that A-Chan's been playing? They say football's a business, but I think McDaniel likes Mostert way too much. I, I, think, I, think, he, I think he does, yeah. I, I mean, I, it makes sense. I, I get the idea, uh, but just one being a homer and two seeing that McDaniel-Mostert relationship, I, I don't think it uh, 
would really happen. What do you think it would take to give him up? Do you think if some team came to Chris Greer and said third round pick for Raheem Mostert, do you think he he McDaniel would give it the thumbs up and the okay? He should, but no, probably not. So you got to ask yourself, where's where's the value that you're getting down the road? Because I mean, Raheem Mostert now he he we saw him in Buffalo last year being an absolute monster in the mm-hmm, snow, right? Mm-hmm. So. It makes sense, like like on the surface, but the more I think about it, I just see so many avenues we can turn down where it just will get really bad, really fast, yeah. with not having someone like Monster. And I think I Daniel likes having both those speed demons in the back, right? I mean, the misdirection yeah. you can create with yeah. Waddle Fresh. and Tyree Kill out there, it's it's getting scary out there. Fresh legs plus running back position, they get banged up a lot. You never know who you're going to need to lean on from week to week. I think I'm with you guys on that. I just thought it was a fun hypothetical. What would it take? to get rid of Raheem Mostert. Maybe a third round pick does it, I'm not sure. Who knows?